Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. He has run for mayor before when there were far fewer people trying to get on the ballot, and the incumbent wasn't running then either. Now Bob Fioretti is giving it another try, and he believes he can win this time. We'll talk about why and how this weekend. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this week is former Chicago Alderman Robert Fioretti, one of a crowded field of candidates for mayor. He joined the city council back in 2007 when he defeated incumbent Madeline Haithcock to take the seat. But the ward remap left him vulnerable, so he decided to run for mayor in 2015, but he was unsuccessful. He tried to unseat Tony Preckwinkle in this year's race for Cook County board president, but was defeated in the Democratic primary. So now he's facing Freckwinkle again and about 18 others in the race for mayor. Bob Fioretti, welcome back. Good to be here. Thank you. Uh, well, there's no polite way to ask this. The voters told you no when you first ran for mayor. They told you no for county board president. What will make them say yes this time in such a, uh, a field of, in many cases, better known competitors? Well, first of all, as to the county board, uh, it was a Democratic primary. Uh I am running for mayor for the same reasons I was running for alderman uh, way back when. The problems we had are the same today, uh, except in many ways they've gotten worse. Chicago can't afford a, a mayor from the same insider class that has this, which created these problems. I mean, does anyone in any part of this city feel safer than they did eight to ten years ago? Does anyone feel better about the schools or corruption that has happened under this administration and prior administrations uh, in the last 10 years? Does anyone feel confident that we can move forward on a budget in light of the pension problems that we have, the obligations that must be met without another massive round of uh, property tax increases, which I am against? Uh, we need a mayor who knows how to uh, deal with the problems that have been on the front line for fighting for the people of this city have common sense to deal with the problems and tackle these issues, and uh, the experience and know-how of dealing with City Hall, Springfield, and Washington, D.C., and I'm that candidate. But now, besides your law firm, uh, what administrative positions have you held uh, where you ran a company or whatever, giving you the confidence that you have the experience to take on such a task? Well, I, I serve on several boards. I've had leadership positions, um, the historic Pullman Foundation, where I raised $10 million after the fire. Uh, I currently serve on an educational board for the George M. Pullman Education Foundation. I'm the treasurer uh, secretary. We have a $28 million endowment that gives scholarships to children throughout this city. Uh, and I've served in a number of positions of being able to tackle the issues. Um, Mayor Emanuel this week uh, tried to tackle... Uh, it was probably one of the biggest issues facing the city, and that is the uh, pension debt and his plan for reforming it. 
You seem not to think uh, that much of that plan. Uh, no, I don't, because most of it's in the future. Um, whoever's elected mayor on May and sworn in on May 15th, by September 1st of next year, they have to come up with $400 million more immediately to deal with the 2019 and 2020 shortfall that we will face. We're gonna, right now we pay over $900 million into the pension fund. And shortly thereafter, uh, we will be paying about $2 billion into our pension fund. Uh, all of the ideas that uh, uh, the mayor proposed were long-term. Uh, what are we gonna get out of marijuana? Maybe $5 million out of the $520 million that are gonna be taxed. Most of that's gonna go to the state. Um, a casino. I'll believe it when I'm standing in it. In 2010, I advocated for a casino. Where has this mayor been? Uh, he didn't do much on that. Um, for, don't forget, four years ago, he was in, we're not running against Ron, but we're running, uh, the ideas that he proposed are not helpful for an immediate solution to this problem. Uh, the pension obligation bonds are another way of kicking the can down the road. Uh, we're in trouble. You know, you get seized all the way across the board. Uh, a casino, uh, cannabis, uh, cash for the pension obligation bonds. Uh, all of these ideas are long-term later on. What, in your view, would be the strongest, the, the, uh, the biggest short-term fix that could make that uh, payment that is due next year? Well, first of all, this budget's uh, doubled under the Rahm administration. We're over $10 billion right now. We should find ways to cut expenses, to bring those expenses to help the pension fund. Um, a constitutional amendment's not going to be there, but I think we should look at a commuter tax. Uh, I advocated it six years ago and four years ago when I was running for mayor. A 1% tax of those people that live outside in Indiana and Wisconsin that come here uh, and work every day. It's an issue of fairness and equity. Uh, what that would do would bring in $300 million immediately. Uh, we should look at video poker. We're talking about a casino. We should look at video poker, sports betting. Video poker by itself can generate $70 million in this city. If I, if I can't find $30 million out of a $10 billion budget um, working with Alderman, then we all ought to go. How much of an appetite do you think there will be uh, for the Illinois legislature to pass something like, and, and their approval would be necessary, a commuter tax. Um, we already saw the look on the faces when the Metropolitan Mayor's Caucus uh, got together earlier this week or, uh, when the subject was broached with Mayor Emanuel, who is not in favor of it. Um, the look on the face of the suburban mayors uh, was one of horror. Well, I, you know, I, I think we can work together. Uh, this mayor really has, uh, uh, and the problem with the mayors in the past, have not worked with the suburbs. Uh, our suburbs have declining population, aging population. We're in a rust belt. We're losing population across the board. Why? Because of high property taxes. My administration will not raise property taxes in the first term, period. We can't do that. Uh, we are driving people out of this city. But how do you get lawmakers who are not just from the city, but also from the suburbs and from downstate to approve a tax that would basically be a tax on the suburban people 
coming into the city to work. And you could make the argument that they pay for some of the services, a lot of the services, and the taxes that they pay during the day. I think, well, first of all, uh, a point that should always be remembered is that, let's say it's a 1%. That 1%, uh, you can write it off of your federal taxes. So with that in mind, I think we can work together because we're going to have to. Chicago has no alternatives. Uh, We have to do it immediately. We're not fooling around. We can't wait three years to find $400 million for the first year as it goes up to a billion dollars. I think all of the ideas uh, that we heard over um, on Wednesday of uh, last week are all the problems uh, in the future, and it just compounds it. Uh, it may have been a swan, uh, swan song of what he was saying on the pensions, but it, it just won't happen. Uh, one of the other issues that you take issue with is that of changing the state constitution. You, you just mentioned it a moment ago to allow some changes in benefits. The mayor wants to end that 3% annual cost of living adjustment that has been in place for, uh, for quite some time. Uh, and his argument is, Inflation hasn't been 3%. It was supposed to help them keep up with inflation. Uh, in fact, it's sometimes it's been nothing. Uh, it's certainly been much lower. Why isn't it fair to, uh, to take that away? Well, first of all, uh, if I joined the city workforce, the governmental workforce today, and the constitutional amendment goes into effect tomorrow, uh, it, it won't affect me. So for 20 years, I'll be, uh, or 30 years, as long as I'm working for the city, it will not affect my pension. Uh, it's an ex post facto law. And uh, the Supreme Court will strike that one down pretty quickly, too. And if not the Illinois one, the U.S. one. But if you change the Constitution, aren't you changing the basis for the law? Isn't, I mean, isn't the whole point of wanting to change the Constitution a matter of... Um, removing the court's objection because the Constitution would then allow it. No, uh, but not today. 20 years down the line, yes. And we don't know what government will be like in 20 years. We've had radical changes in the city, uh, the, the composure, the composition of what this city is in the last 20 years. I mean, we're still fighting uh, the issues on crime on our streets, uh, educational lack of educational opportunities, and lack of jobs within sections of our city. Uh, maybe 20 years from now, those problems under my administration will go away and we can deal with uh, items that are in a different way. I want to talk a little bit more about revenue. Um, one of the proposals that Mayor Emanuel has made, this isn't talking about pensions now, this is talking about um, infrastructure, is a hike in the gas tax. Uh, maybe as much as 30, uh, 30 cents on a gallon, uh, anywhere from 20 to 30 cents. What's your feeling about, first off, the need for an infrastructure bill from the state and also on hiking the gas tax? Well, that's, uh, I, again, uh, the mayor short-sighted. Uh, we have electric cars out there. They wouldn't be penalized. I'm opposed to this, though. Let me just tell you, flat out, I'm opposed to increasing the uh, gas tax. Why? Uh, uh, I, I think it's a regressive. I think the uh, people will flee to Indiana, Wisconsin, much more so to pick up um, their gas uh, in other cities. It will, it will create lack of jobs for us. I mean, the 10th Ward's a prime example. I don't remember how many gas stations that they had at one point, uh, 15, 20, and they're down to just a few right now. 
in that area. They've all, because people uh, go to Indiana. Uh, there's a woman at 95th and Ewing. Um, I met her right here at Michigan and Randolph, uh, getting off the uh, train station as I was talking to people recently. Uh, she told me she no longer buys anything uh, from groceries to gas in the city of Chicago. She goes across the border and buys everything there. We can, we, you know, we need to keep the, that sales tax revenue here. Increasing taxes on gas would just drive people out to get gas elsewhere. Um, but what other means would there be to fund an infrastructure bill? Uh, you know, where is this? Do you agree that there has to be an infrastructure bill at some point for the state? Frankly, there should be one for the nation, but there has to well, uh, I, I, And I am hoping that uh, uh, we find a infrastructure bill out of the administration in D.C. But yes, we do need something here. Uh, but who's going to govern it? Uh, I think it will come out of the Pritzker administration this time, and I think he's hearing it loud and clear that you can't raise gas taxes, but you've got to find other ways to create revenue for a, a statewide infrastructure. Uh, last August, I drove, uh, a year ago, I drove through the state uh, to see what was happening uh, from here to Carbondale, and I didn't take the uh, express routes. I took the side roads. Uh, and I saw the foreclosure problems that we still have. I saw the problems on bridges and roads that we have. Uh, you know, we are pushing people out. We need to come up with ways that are not taxing, but we uh, maybe bond issues that are for the people, not against the people, and not kicking the can further down the road. Um, let's and, talk. And, and I'm going to tell you one last thing. Uh, you can. I've always thought we can, uh, on a lot of our bridges, our overpasses, and, and uh, I've raised uh, those issues in the city council about how we have to work with our railroads, how we have to work with our state. Um, and uh, I, we've been, we were very successful on repairing a lot of the uh, overpasses in my ward, and I had more overpasses at the time than any other alderman working with the railroad systems and working with others. I uh, want to talk briefly about uh, tax increment financing. And t- the, many people are talking about TIF reform, seeing uh, TIFs as a, as a problem. Others look at the pile of money that is sitting there in some TIF funds, in some TIF districts, and looking at it as kind of a savior. Where do you come down? Well, I, I want a complete moratorium right now on TIFs, and I also want uh, complete... Uh, uh, detailed transparency. The, uh, currently, the city's website, uh, the portal that exists, really doesn't tell us anything. Uh, before we close out a TIF, we ought to use that money for infrastructure, streets, uh, water, uh, sidewalks. Uh, I, I find it something uh, incredulous that uh, uh, we have a 50-50 share program. In my ward, we never used it. We used money from uh, TIFs to help repair sidewalks, streets, every every alley in my ward of the second ward before I was mapped out of it had uh, we put lights in it. Every every street we had, we we graded them from one to five. We repaved them, and we found money. If not just from the TIFs, from I, I talked to my state legislators. We got it from our Senate and also from our uh, House members to uh, repave them. Every curb was repaved. 
you know, there are ways to find money, but we have to be, we have to be very aggressive about it. And for all my parks, I did the same thing in all my schools. Every, I had more schools than any other alderman. I used the TIF money for my schools. I would do the same under my administration. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and my guest is former Chicago alderman and now mayoral candidate Bob Fioretti. Um, well, with the recent raids on Alderman Ed Burke's offices and the ongoing corruption case of Alderman Willie Cochran, among the other cases involving uh, local officials, people may have a low opinion of government officials right now. Um, so uh, you're putting together a package of reforms. Is this something that could restore or help restore trust in well, government? Well, I think so. I think we need term limits. Uh, two terms is enough for anybody, uh, whether it's not just the mayor, but for all elected municipal officials. I think we need to reduce the size of the city council. Uh, we can cut it in half. Uh, L.A., which has uh, uh, almost a million more people than we do, only have 15. Houston, which is right on our heels at 2.2 million, uh, or a little bit less than that, has uh, 15 members. Uh, I think we ought to look at what we're doing with our our city council. Also, you know, I, I do believe that we need campaign finance reform. We're seeing it in this mayoral race, and we're seeing it in some of the uh, aldermanic races. Uh, let's limit the amount of money that goes into these campaigns. Um, I, I think everything should be online. Uh, every, every city uh, council committee meeting. I was once told by the budget uh, uh, chair that it would be an embarrassment. I mean, half the time they don't even have a quorum at most of these meetings. Who's kidding who? Uh, it, it, they're elected uh, and making 115000 as an average, and they can't show up at the committee meetings that they're uh, assigned to. Uh, I think we need multi-year budgeting, not year-to-year budgeting. Uh, at the same time, as, as the mayor, I will have ward meetings. Uh, I'm going to listen to the people. I mean, we need a government that is responsive to the people. Uh, you know, Rahm Emanuel got rid of the town hall meetings on the budgets. I'm going to restore town hall meetings on the budgets, and I'm going to have town hall meetings uh, on issues throughout our uh, city when I am the uh, mayor. Uh, we need to listen to people's problems, not tell them what we're doing. We've got to, we can, by working together, we can find common solutions with people. That's what I did as when I was the uh, alderman in the second ward. And don't forget, when I was the first white person elected since 1915 in a 70-plus percent African-American ward. How did I do it? I knocked on every door. How did I continue being reelected in, in light of uh, Mayor Daley funding uh, candidates against me uh, on my reelection when I was fighting my own cancer? Um, by having town hall meetings, listening to the people, informing them what to do. You know, I created 8,000 jobs. I brought a, a Costco, a Target, a Trader Joe's, a Pete's, a new police station. I helped rush uh, establish it. And we had people that were hired from our communities. It was something different, you know. And, and uh, uh, we had community benefits agreements and we put people to work, and we trained them. If they didn't have the skills, we had them down, and we got them into training, and, and they got jobs. 
I had continuing um, job fairs for veterans, ex-offenders, and for my community people uh, to deal with the problems. We had a legal, I had a ward night every Monday, and we had a legal night twice a month. This is what government should be doing to help people and listen to people. I'm going to change the way how. I, and I have to tell you, I went to the city council meeting last week, and, I li- and when the community comments started, the mayor walked out, about a third of the aldermen walked out, it is, and the rest of the aldermen were either talking or on their phones and not listening to the community comments. That is so disrespectful to the people of this city and, and what their issues are. They should be listening to them instead of running away from them. Although when you were in the city council, there were no public comments that's, at the city council right. meetings. Well, and, but don't so, forget, so, during the budget hearing. progress? No, no, no. But during the, pro, uh, during the budget time, we had that whole afternoon. I sat through that all the time. But most of my colleagues left. We probably had a, maybe five, ten remaining and who listened to the complaints on the budget. Now, for all of our listeners who uh, are going, wait, what was that first thing he said? I have to take you back to reducing the size of the city council to 25 because this is a city that is kind of built on a stro- on the ward structure on aldermen frankly I grew up in New York city council members weren't that important to my daily life uh, I didn't even know who mine was uh, when I was a young youngster but in wards you know who your alderman is you you have interactions how could you keep government responsive and uh, and accessible by cutting the number, or you cutting the number of wards, and 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 by cutting the number of aldermen. Well, I, first of all, everything is done by three one one. My last year in office uh, with three staff members and myself, we put thirteen thousand three one one calls in to deal with problems. I, as alderman, I introduced more probably more or, ordinances and resolutions than anybody else in my eight years, and ninety-eight percent of them passed the council. Um, I, you know, it, it's it becomes a myth. We have, uh, I bet you, most of them have not read the city charter, uh, and which gives us the power. And if a council the power, don't forget, we are a strong council, weak mayor. But if you look at what happens in this city, it, it just is not that way. So, but how, what is the benefit of reducing the size of the city council besides how much money you save just on our, their offices? Well, I, I, I think you have more transparency, more people to, uh, to be responding to. Um, and, and at the same time, uh, it's a myth in terms of what the alderman can and cannot do. Um, the only thing that we know uh, is that the aldermanic privilege, and uh, I, that has been a barrier to fair housing in this city, um, to deal with crime in this city. Uh, you know, this city is based upon uh, politicians having their hands in everyone else's pocket but their own, and we have to change that. Um, do you believe that people will feel they have as much access to an alderman when one alderman is serving at, at least twice as many people? Oh, I, I, I do. I mean, uh, you know, alderman, again, it's a part-time job. Make it a full-time job. Make it, make it something that they can respond to. I was at a uh, community 
meeting yesterday, and uh, I've heard on some of the and some folks that call their alderman over and over, and nothing gets done. Uh, I was at a uh, uh, ju- uh, ask a judge a question on Sunday on the far south side, and they had a couple of judges there, and uh, people started talking about uh, problems in their ward. Uh, they get no response. So let's not th- say that uh, City Hall is not controlled by the people of this city. City Hall is controlled by lobbyists. Walk in the back of the chambers. Regular people can't get back there, but the lobbyists are back there. Uh, who's kidding who? I mean, we've got to change the way government responds to the citizens of this city, and we've got to clean it up. And, and term limits and a smaller city council are, are the beginning steps towards it. Uh, we need independent fair maps, uh, a fair maps uh, and, uh, where the politicians don't choose uh, their voters, but the voters choose who the politicians should be. Um, I do have to ask you a question about uh, one of the things that was making news as we were recording this uh, there was reportedly a second raid on Alderman Ed Burke's offices, and this question is prefaced by an acknowledgement that he has not been charged with anything, and frankly, we don't know exactly what it is the FBI is investigating, but should Alderman Burke, as Finance Committee Chairman, uh, first off, should he continue to be Finance Committee Chairman? Well, that's the problem with the City Council and with the Mayor's office. Uh, I know under my... Uh, administration, Ed Burke will not be the finance chair. But I have to also tell you, uh, due process is a requirement for everybody. I'm not ready to scream and yell that Ed Burke should step down, but I think he should seriously consider stepping down in light of what is happening here. And this sec- it's, it's becoming a distraction. And we are, wa- uh, we are now walking into a new year where we have to find $400 million and not raise taxes on the people to deal with the pension fund. And his distraction as finance chair is is not going to help the issue. Um, One of the last things that we'll talk about, we have about three minutes, a little bit less. Um, In this mayor's race, you still in some ways seem to be running mostly against Tony Preckwinkle. Uh, um, <laughs> Maybe she's running against me, uh, but but is it? Uh, I mean, is, you're you're calling for a special prosecutor concerning her uh, her uh, head of security. Um, is is there a bit of a grudge match going on here? No, not at all. I I think uh, and actually I I have proposed ideas that can reform this city. Um, I'm the only alderman that has the experience. Uh, who has stood up and voted against uh, six out of the eight budgets that I talked about. The ideas that we're talking about now across the board from candidates are ideas that I've had before. Uh, Bringing a casino, a smaller city council, dealing with um, uh, problems in creating revenue sources. Uh, They are all the ideas that I, for years, I'm the only alderman who has brought so many jobs to ace this city, uh, who closed the food desert, who have brought people together to work together. And I will continue that battle and fight for the people, not for the politicians. Is this not a city that, that in some ways almost defies running the, the problems are so myriad? Well, you need a manager. You need somebody that can manage the city. And yes, we have problems across the board. But, but look, 
we we have a police superintendent uh, uh, and superintendents that are not uh, who respond to the mayor all the time. I mean, let's have the police department run the police department. Uh, the issues of aviation, where you know, it shouldn't be political uh, dumping grounds. Uh, we we need to look forward to the future, and uh, the same issues I've raised over and over again uh, are finally uh, grabbing hold. All 21 candidates that are running currently for mayor are basically endorsing my ideas for the last 10 years. That's going to be the final word. That is mayoral candidate and former Chicago Alderman Bob Fioretti. Thank you for spending this time with us. Great to be here. Merry Christmas to all the uh, listeners. And let's all have a happy, prosperous New Year for uh, every family in the city and for the city of Chicago. And a Merry Christmas to you, too. To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That's WBBMNewsRadio.com. You can also find our podcasts on radio.com. I'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.